I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Kathy Magnuson. She is the owner of Wildwood Learning, Training, and Consulting. She works with professionals who support youth and need to understand the traumas and stresses that children may be dealing with. So much to learn. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And by the way, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletta.com slash reviews and uh, left a review. Could you do that for me? Maybe uh, five stars and how about some nice words? Hmm? <laughs> you are awesome. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Kathy Magnuson, MED, owner of Wildwood Learning Training and Consulting, is a trainer, consultant, and speaker. Kathy has worked with educators and youth service professionals worldwide. She is a licensed public school teacher, social and emotional learning specialist, and certified Sources of Strength trainer. She has supported young people and the professionals serving them for over 25 years. Kathy has a master's degree in education from the University of Minnesota and advanced training in adverse childhood experiences, creating trauma-sensitive practices, nonviolent communication, and strengths-based education and leadership. She supports educators and youth service professionals in cultivating trauma-sensitive strength-based environments for all learners. Kathy, it's awesome to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me and say hi to everyone. Hi. Well, thank you, Steve, for having me. Well, glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, before we go... Too far. I want to. I want to start with this on your website, Wildwood Learning. You note that you often can be found in your calm place, kayaking or reading a good book. Could you share a little about your calm place and what it does for you? Sure. And I think everyone should, if they don't, needs to have some sort of place that they can go. If it's not physically that you can go to in your mind and find that calmness that you need throughout the day. So my calm place is up at our lake cabin. I live in northwestern Minnesota. I'm just 10 miles from the Canadian border. And so our lake cabin is up in Canada. And uh, actually, it's pretty little bit remote, you have to boat there. So it's just a beautiful place to go and uh, going out onto the lake, listening to the loons, sitting out in the by the campfire with my book, that's just like total heaven to me is to be in those calm places. And so when I need that calm in my life, those are the things that, you know, I go to right in my mind and uh, bring forth. So, so those are those, that, that's my calm place. I love that. I love it. That's a, that's cool stuff. And what a cool setting. Oh my gosh. That's, you know, (laughs) someday I expect you're going to write a novel about the place. You're going to be sitting up there and going, I can imagine all these things happening up here too. So (laughs) no, you never know. You never know. Right. (laughs) Right. 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 Good stuff. All right. So uh, Kathy, could you share why you created Wildwood Learning Training and Consulting? I mean, what's its purpose? Yeah. Wildwood Learning, Training, and Consulting is my business that I have been in the world of education for over 25 years. 
10 years were in a classroom. I was a middle school, high school science teacher. And then uh, after the 10 years, I had the opportunity to move into the elementary classrooms doing social emotional learning. And one of the things that happened in between those was that my husband and I, we adopted four children from foster care and all four of our children, uh, it came, they came at once. They were, they're a sibling group. And so at the time they were ages two, four, five, and seven. Uh, now the youngest one, just this past weekend, I took to his sophomore year in college. So nice. they're all, you know, this happened a while ago, <laughs> but it got me into what's called social emotional learning. And at that time, we we called it cooperative life skills. You know, it wasn't very popular, but what it was, was to go into the elementary classrooms and teach the skills of conflict resolution, but really how to recognize how you feel and uh, I statements and, you know, uh, telling people other how you feel and taking perspectives, all of those things. And when I started working with the social worker at our school in this position, she says, well, you have to go teach an iMessage. And I'm like, well, what what is an iMessage? I have no idea. Just going forward now, you know, to the about two years ago, I really started looking at how these skills need to be taught to adults, not just to children, but to adults, because I didn't grow up with these skills. I don't know if you did, Steve, but certainly we need these in our school systems, in our classrooms, in our youth programs, so that we can help our children to uh, deal with all of those big emotions that they're having. So come across, I have started Wildwood Learning, training and consulting, and its real purpose is to work with the adults and train them so that they can have the ability to help children to regulate, to um come into a classroom to create some calm within that program, maybe that um, people are working in with youth and um, helping that just so that we can really, um, you know, understand, especially after this pandemic, what our kids are going through, but not just our kids, our adults are going through a lot too. So just having that inclusive place that everyone feels like they're safe and connected. Very cool. And, uh, you know, to answer your question, uh, yeah, no, I did not have any training and, and, and <laughs> could have used some of that as a kid. I can remember a fight with my best friend in the front yard uh, with his oldest brother cheering me on. <laughs> <laughs> Notice what I said, his oldest brother cheering me on fighting <laughs> his. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it was just, it, I'm really afraid to tell you what it was about, but it was about how, who made the mesh, who made the best mashed potatoes <laughs> make the best mashed potatoes <laughs> and how you make them and it was his, his mom made fantastic mashed potatoes yeah. and uh you know it, but she made them differently than my mom and so we got into right. this <laughs> this argument about that which turned into 
tussling around the front yard. And yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think if someone had been, it, it could have talked about, there's other ways to resolve this because <laughs> I'm still friends with with him today. And you know, <laughs> this goes back to I think he was. I'm like in kindergarten, he's in first grade or first grade and second grade, something like that. And, you know, yeah. it's, but it's, it's still there. I remember that's, it, you know, that's how you handle it when you don't know how to handle things. What well, and, and I think as adults, you know, we still get into those fights, right? Yes. Maybe, oh, yes. we're not maybe we're not tussling around on that's... the front yard with somebody else cheering us on, but definitely, you know, who makes the best mashed potatoes <laughs> and we're getting into those, those uh, conflicts and, and not really knowing how how to best resolve them and to recognize maybe what's going on within ourselves. Oh, you're so right. I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, today you have to kind of recognize the, you know, as a, as a grown up, one of the things you, you hope that you recognize is, is that there's signals that you have when someone's pushed your buttons or something's mm -hmm. been said that you've got an opinion about and you want to say it, but maybe it doesn't come out quite right. You know, um, you know, <laughs> oh, I think I took that a little too far or something, I don't, which you know, that, that happens later when you realize, hmm, not sure what I did there, but uh, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff. I mean, you know, one of the things that you talk about is understanding uh, uh, trauma. Uh, could you talk about trauma that students have experienced and how that impacts their daily lives? And I know this is kind of a big question, but really where I'm, where I'm right. going with it is what you mean by trauma and how it looks in kids because they're going to come to school. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And, you know, after and and the pandemic has changed things, has changed things on a big scale. There are students that had trauma before the pandemic. So when I'm talking about trauma, it is not necessarily the experience, but how your body uh, interprets that experience. So if we're talking about childhood adversity and children are having experiences such as abuse, neglect, uh, divorce, uh, there's the ACEs study, the Adverse Childhood Experience study, study that ha was done, and that was back in the 1990s, and they found that these experiences, and they looked at 10 experiences, had long-term impacts. If they happened in childhood, could have long-term impacts on people's health outcomes. And so recognizing that along with all of the other things that are going on that can be traumatic for children. I don't know what it's been like down uh, in where you're at, but up here in Northwestern Minnesota, we've had multiple days of smoky weather. Just like you can't even go outside because it's so smoky from the wildfires up in oh. Canada. So those environmental impacts and that, um, children go through, plus things like poverty and racism and um, it, all of these uh, uh, homelessness. I mean, there's so much out there, right? Right. And so it's, it's how your body experiences it. It's um, when that happens within your life. There's a study that's done by Dr. Bruce Perry, and he was looking at uh, the outcomes of children. And what he found was that if you have a stable environment as a child for the first two months, one that the parent really pays attention and has um, 
you know, nurturing that even if you have adversities, as you get older, you do much, much better than, for instance, our children who came into our home with a lot of neglect and adversities and didn't have that within the first few years of their lives. And um, there are some some struggles that we've had definitely along the way. So what I wanted to say is all of these things can really impact learning in a school because students who have experienced trauma have um, a higher level of survival brain, let's just say. They can easily go into our fight, flight, freeze mode. Their nervous systems uh, can easily be triggered. And when that happens, it's all up to us as an adult how we how we choose to respond. Gotcha. You know, and that's that's something that, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I mean, I there's sometimes I think about uh, things that because as an educator and uh, working with other people's children and stuff like this, as well as I've been a soccer coach and with little kids all the way through high school seniors and uh, you know, and it, as well as I've been a a, a scoutmaster, um, mm-hmm. scout leader and stuff like this and you work with kids and and then in school as a teacher, not only was a classroom teacher, but I, I coached goalies for soccer. I was a theater sponsor in another school. I also did yearbook. <laughs> I was a yearbook sponsor. I, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that I'm like, oh, I can do that. What the heck, you know? And, it's, and, um, and one of the things you learn as, as an educator is that all kids are differently. And, and especially when you work with them and they're in different worlds like that, where they're, you know, you're, you're not just you're working with athletes or now you're working with theater kids or now you're working with the, uh, um, the, the more journalist focused kids in, in uh, journalistic type kids in, uh, in your book. And, uh, you know, there's any number of things there that uh, help you see them a little differently and get to know them better, but also at the same time realize that uh, you, there's, there's lots of things going on in their world. And I, and, and post pandemic, we're going to get to pandemic in just a minute, but uh, you know, that, that throws in a whole nother ballyhoo there. And, you know, it's one of the things that uh, I, I wanted to, to kind of make a comment here about is that, you know, there's these different challenges going on. And, you know, if, as an educator, you, you really need to be aware of them. So I'm just wondering if, if what you could talk about here is, you know, why should, why should educators take time to learn more about what you're talking about, about the, the different trauma or the experiences that the, the children that they're sitting in their classroom may be going through? Yeah, because here's the big thing. When children are in that survival brain, when they're in fight, flight, and freeze, it doesn't matter how good of a teacher you are, but they're not learning. They're not learning anything except for how to keep themselves safe. So it is so important to just kind of recognize those things within your, well, first within yourself, but then within your students, because as the day goes by, if, if one of them or, you know, they're feeling like they're, um, being triggered by something, just recognizing and helping them to regulate. So when I say regulate, meaning to calm their self down so that they can get into that learning part of the brain. So 
when I'm in classrooms, because I still go into classrooms one day a week. I love going into the classrooms. I work with a school that I consult with and uh, we do embedded teacher development. And so I go into kindergarten through fifth grade classrooms. And when I come into those classrooms, with the kids, we talk about what's going on in your brain and that we have uh, pieces of our brain that help to keep us safe called the amygdala. And then we have those thinking part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex and talking about when we get, you know, scared or angry or upset that our amygdala is keeping our set, our, our, our body safe, but you know, we're flipping our lid and we can't get into that thinking part of our brain and helping those kids understand. But then the teacher's sitting right there hearing the same message. And I've had it where the teacher has told me that they're starting to flip their lid and they'll have a student come up to them and say, hey, Mrs. Johnson, Uh, We need to, you need to calm, we need to take some deep breaths because, you know, I can see that we're, and so (laughs) it gets to the point where we have a common language. This is my fifth year of working with those teachers in that school, and the kids have this uh, common understanding and common language about what's happening, and then we've worked in some techniques and strategies as far as breathing and how what things can we do to bring our energy level down what can we do to bring our energy level up and the teachers are implementing this in their classroom so they can use those skills with a student you know when they start seeing that student who's maybe just on the edge you know you don't want to catch them you don't want to, when they're already yelling or screaming or hitting or or you know laying their head down on the uh, table, you're, it's too far gone and you have to just kind of wait. And ca- But if they can kind of have those tools in their toolbox and help that student to, to regulate, and that's called co-regulating, then, you know, you can cut a lot of this, um, these challenging behaviors kind of down. And then also what happens too is me going into the classroom, working with the students and the teachers, then that gives our social worker and our principal time to work with those students who are need more individual help or group help in in regulating their their nervous systems. So we all have kind of that common language. And teachers have said they can really see the difference over the years, how they now uh, approach a student who is uh, struggling with with their regulation compared to what they would do um, prior to me coming in and working with them that's awesome they see the the difference because that's a that's a big thing that uh you know is a and and some of my listeners may totally see what i'm about to say as part of the evil empire when you're on the administrative side but the right (laughs) but the the point is is that when you're trying to help classroom teachers get out of what something that may have happened and you're trying to help them develop the skills, I mean, to figure out how we could not have that happen again or whatever. You know, because sometimes it, something gets pushed, some button gets pushed that, um, you know, that kid's just, all right, I'm done. You know, I, I, one of the th- stories I'm thinking about now is a, a student who he, he was really kind of losing his mind because this was like the third 
calculator that he had left on the bus and mm-hmm. he, it just happened that day and his father had told him if you lose another one of these things cuz these these are those $100 calculators right not the <laughs> not the little $5 ones and right. and he had already lost two who you know probably left them someplace and somebody had snagged them and um and so he'd left it well the only reason why I found that out was because he was <laughs> he was ripping posters off the wall all right. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, taking stuff off the wall and he was going down the hallway and slamming stuff and, and just vroom, ripping this down. And I'm like, and someone said, Hey, Mr. Moleto, we need you, we need you on the hallway, such and such. Um, and, uh, there's a kid doing some stuff. We're not quite sure why. Right. And so I went over there and he's just, I mean, this is a kid who was never in trouble. And, I, and it's like, what the heck? And I, and I, and I came down to him slowly and I said, uh, Hey, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> And, uh, you know, he kind of stopped and he looked at me and you could just see like this, the fire that was in his eyes. And, and, uh, and we had a nice little talk that eventually moved to my, uh, my office so we could be out of the hallways, but we, we had a lot of talking where I just let him talk with me. And I said, what's going on? You're never in trouble, man. And, you know, and by talking like that, where you're just kind of trying to, you know, de-escalate what's going on by talking to him in a manner. I, I used to use terms like uh, dude, man, and uh, um, um, cool. <laughs> and, yeah, and yep. Kids would actually quote, <laughs> say, say my three famous words that I like to use. But, you know, it's it, sometimes, it, you know, I'd, I'd say, I, I mean, I did, did I do something here? Are you mad at me? And when they say they're not mad at you, then you kind of no. go with that. But you know, it was, I'll never forget when he shared with me, and it's like, I can imagine what he was afraid of was he didn't want to have to tell his father he left the calculator on the bus. The great thing is the bus driver found the calculator. Oh, well, then that was a relief. But yes. Exactly. <laughs> and what would have happened if you had gone in there, started yelling at him down the hall to quit whipping those posters off? Right, and, right. yeah, what would have happened? And that, that would have been bad. It would have just sent him over to the deep end. It probably would have been a lot worse. Exactly. Like, probably would have been calling his parent up and saying, hey, uh, come get your kid. So. Right. <laughs> so it really, you know, hinges all on how us as adults come into that situation, too. And recognizing, you know, like when we're triggered. And I know, too, you know, being a classroom teacher and I had high school students, I had juniors and seniors, and it was the science class that, you took because you didn't want to be in chemistry or physics. So I had kids in there that were not necessarily wanting to be in science, but that's where they were. And just having um, those, some of those students, I remember one boy too, that he was throwing things across the room and, you know, saying stuff. And I just said to him, Hey, can you help me carry these books? You know, and we went and carried the books and he thought for sure he was going to get chewed out by me. And I just, you know, something heavy because that helps to regulate our nervous system. I didn't know that at the time, but that's just what we did. And, you know, came back and then we went on with uh, what we were doing. And at the end, I just talked to him a little bit and, you know, found out what was going on. And, and uh, yeah. You know, it, it just takes a little bit of time to help figure out, okay, you know, how can I approach this situation without making it bigger, right? Right, right. It's, a, it's yeah. so important. And I, I think, 
that's some of the stuff that we need. You know, we need help with those skills, dealing with each other as well as our our students that we're working with. And uh, exactly, yeah, so important. I, you know, one of the things that uh, you've mentioned already, but I'd like to go into a little more detail now is, you know, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic and and the possible stresses that it created in students as they move forward. Um, can you go there just a little bit? Yeah, and. You know, when I work with teachers and I've been doing uh, workshops and presentations and speaking, I, I ask, what are some of the things out there? What are some of the challenging behaviors they're seeing? And they're seeing quite a few uh, over the last few years, just students not being engaged, not being, you know, meeting expectations, uh, uh, feeling like students are, I don't want to say, quote, behind but maybe socially behind for sure. And I think back to the classroom where we had kindergartners all in rows. They couldn't play with toys. They all had masks on. Everybody had to keep masks on. It was a few years ago. And now they're going into to third grade. And we've had to do some extra work with those students in second grade and now in third grade just to help them to catch up on their social emotional learning skills and we know that uh and to that that's just such a a big difference to recognize that the kids now aren't maybe at that social emotional level that kids were in before the pandemic Oh, and that, that affects the academics right? because there too, there's studies that when we have social emotional learning and we have those skills in place, that it can increase the academics, uh, increase those uh, test, those scores. And um, th- that's just not in place. And just recognizing that for some kids, not for all, certainly not for all, but for some, some students, especially the ones that maybe have um, some of those neglect, abuse, the trauma in the background. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's so important to recognize what, even though the, the kid may look fine or say, seem fine, that you just never know when it might appear where, mm-hmm. you know, if their world's been hiding, you know, uh, they've had to wear the mask and, and or they've been able to control their environment, which has been uh, turned the teacher off the <laughs> off the computer, you know, <laughs> turned the oh, video exactly. off. And um, now they can't do that anymore. Or um, the idea of how you behave or or interact in the in the in the building and stuff like this, that things that you haven't had to do. And and or if you need to have the interaction with, you know, it's important to you to be able to see someone speak and smile or something like this and you haven't been able to see that type of stuff that it, that creates problems too and uh yeah. you know it's it there's just so many different stressors there what what do you what types of things do you talk with adults about uh, in, in thinking about what the these challenges the kids are facing as they you know they've come back into the classroom and such and i think too a big one that we haven't talked about is social media okay. and just the amount of dinging that maybe goes off on a phone or the um, ability to maybe not look at it, even as adults, right? We have a hard time with that. And then we're working with uh, children whose brains aren't fully developed until they're about 25, 27. And, 
And so we are sometimes putting those adult expectations on students that they just don't have the skills. So a lot of the behaviors that we're seeing that are challenging behaviors aren't necessarily because kids want to behave that way. It's they're, they're adapting. And that's just their adaptation that has gotten them through a challenging time. And, um, and, and that's where they're going with their behavior. Uh, Often, I think as educators or teachers or administrators, we think, well, that kid is just doing that for attention, or, you know, they, they know what they're doing. But so often, they don't. And I don't know if you've ever worked with middle schoolers. I remember them <laughs> coming to my classroom. I had one kid who had tater tots in his pocket. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I didn't have enough time to finish them at lunch. So I put them in my pocket. Nice, yeah. Nice. And you're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just, you, you, for the most part, they don't sometimes recognize what they're doing or how what they're doing is going to impact others and impact how others see them. It, it, it's, um, and then if you have this leg in skills, it just kind of compounds itself and all of these other things. Yeah. So I think the pandemic has put some stressors, a lot of different stressors, and we're seeing that in our mental health reports, right, for students and a lot of worries. Because one of the things that I notice is like kids worrying younger and younger about what they see on the news or what they're hearing. And it might not even be something that took place in their community. But now you get it so easily that it could be something that happened many states over. You know, you think about like school shootings or, um, you know, weather conditions. And especially younger kids, they don't understand that, well, that, you know, was a long ways away or that tornado happened, you know, many states away. And it just uh, I think compounds their worry and stress and anxiety too about things. Oh, I think you're so right, especially if they're, you know, cause they're always paying attention to what the adults are doing around them. And mm-hmm. if the adults are stressed out over things, especially like a storm, I mean, some of the series of storms that have gone through, uh, I was driving through South Georgia the other day and um, the hurricane came in off oh, yeah. the water and went to um, this part of central um, north central Florida and south central Georgia, and it just wiped out these. Uh, it billboards were all over the place, mm. trees were cracked in half and broken, and and power was down and all kinds of stuff. And you know that's just another thing as a kid when because <laughs> suddenly they were out of school for in in this community for about five days um, because of mm-hmm. lack of power and stuff like that. And you know it's uh, just something like that too. I don't I don't think sometimes we really think. <laughs> Yes, as adults, or or if the adults are panicking or upset or, you know, angry, the kids watching them. And so it's probably going to make yeah. them upset. And think about all the extreme heat things that are going across the country, all the extreme heat areas and how that impacts, you know, schools that don't have air conditioning or the right facilities. Yeah, so there's a lot of things out there. I think it's easy to find things that are stressed about. 
And we can talk a lot about like, what are those stressors? But I also love to just switch that to what are the things that are happening out there that are positive? You know, what we can do in that classroom that's going to build that positivity and to help kids through those challenging times and build that resilience. And I, I, you know, that's, that's the part that I really like to work with uh, schools on doing and in youth programs, because I think it's important to recognize the, the adversity and trauma, but it's super important to recognize what we can do to mitigate that, to, to uh, help build kids up. Love it. Love it. That's good stuff. I mean, uh, you know, all right. So something, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier and I'm going to sure. bring that like I've, <laughs> I've done here a couple of times now. Um, you know, one of the things that happens is that teachers and administrators have stress and trauma too. And, and some of it is, uh, you, some of it's their, their, in their lives. And then some of it's in the school and setting and, you know, returning to work or doing this or doing that, whatever's going on. Uh, you know, could you talk about some ideas on how they can recognize when they might need a calm place like you were talking about in the beginning? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. We do have a lot of stressors as educators, administrators. There's a lot of things going on and, you know, that school day goes by so, so fast. I think, uh, in my opinion, one of the biggest things we can do for ourselves too as educators is to create those boundaries around our school day. And and I know that's easy to say, hard to do because creating boundaries and and I think now back when I or let me just say back when I was teaching, we didn't have the technology that we do now. I mean, uh, to get my school email at home, I don't know if I could have done that because, you know, I would have to be on the school computer to do that. And now you can just do it on your phone or to make sure that you have updated lesson plans on the, the Google Classroom. Thank goodness I say that I didn't have that because I do think <laughs> that we have these added expectations that we put out there as educators, as um, parents, because of the pandemic onto the onto teachers that necessarily weren't there before the pandemic too. So, you know, and creating those boundaries and then um, helping to find ways to relieve your stress, good ways, ways that are positive. So there's a book called Burnout, and it's by the Nagoski sisters. And they talk about in that book about all the different ways that you can complete that stress cycle. And that's that cycle of, of being able to move through your stress and then complete that it is so important because if you don't, there are so many things that can happen to you physically and mentally that, um, has longer term effects, right? And I I can see that in myself. I was at a point after we adopted our children that there was a lot of stress in our home. There was a lot of things going on. Imagine. And I didn't take care of myself. Six months later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer oh. and then moved through, you know, all the cancer treatment. And we know that there's a association with stress in your health and, and diseases. 
So there's some long-term effects if we don't take the time to stop, to take. um, And then the last thing I just want to say is build your resilience community. Find those people that you can connect with at school and build that resilience. We're working on a book club and we're working through a book on resilience called Onward. And we have a small group of teachers and this is the third time that I've done it with our teachers. So we have different ones who have joined at different times, but it's a lot about just the strategies. But what's even better is we sit down as a group and we talk about what are some of those stressors and what are some of the things that we can do. So finding that community, the people you can connect with that um, can also help you through it. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Cause you know, a lot of times in the, in the day, I mean, we, we do what we do and we don't realize that things are just, you start to snip here, or, you know, like the gap there, or, you know, of things are getting a little heated and, and does it really need to get that type of response? And then the, the one kid does the thing that just really just goes, it sends you through the roof or whatever. And, yep. you know, and it's, <laughs> it's funny because that, that can happen so easily. And it's, uh, you know, and if you're not careful, you're not taking care of uh, your approach to the world, you could end up uh, really regretting some of the things you say or, or do because uh, of how you handled the situation because you should have recognized the signs that it all's going wrong. I, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm a big believer in having that calm place and, uh, and that, you know, one of the things that happens to you as an administrator sometimes is that um, you're expected to have open door policy and you're expected to deal with things as they come to you. And suddenly Mm -hmm. the whole world is coming to you because you're dealing with somebody who's come in from outside. You've got the the, teacher issue over here. You've got a student Mm -hmm. issue over here. And then you get a phone call from, I don't know, you're the guy tells you that your car is going to cost $800 to to, (laughs) replace one tire or something like that. And you're like, what the, and it's funny. I, I was principal of high schools and, uh, a uh, um, gentleman and friend of mine who was uh, who drove around the golf cart to keep uh, alien invaders off the campus and to keep the the residents inside the campus. <laughs> and uh, he called me one day on the radio and he said, "Hey, he goes, he goes, I know you got a lot going on today. He goes, but if I can give you a break, just give me a call." And and so I we started doing that. And what would happen is he wouldn't talk with me. We I just ride with me ride with him for a few minutes and then that'd give me a nice break. I'd be out in the air dealing with whatever we're dealing with and then go back in and take on the world. And one of the things that happened as a result of, you know, one of the things I had to tell the faculty is I said, if you see me in the golf cart, I'm, I'm not out there playing. I said, I've put yeah. myself in timeout. <laughs> so yeah. um, let's be careful. But that, that became a calm place for me. And I, I think it's so important uh, what you talked about with that. Cause I think sometimes we forget that we need those things because we're working with the children who are watching how we behave. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even at lunch break, if, and I know lots of times you don't get a very long lunch break, but taking five minutes to just sit, close your eyes, breathe, instead of uh, going on to that next thing, or, or even a minute, even a minute. I had a teacher that said to me, too, she was wearing a Apple Watch, and 
we were talking about, you know, just recognizing the signs. And she goes, yeah, my Apple watch goes off. It tells me to breathe, but I just turn it off and I keep going. And I said, <laughs> you know, well, you know, maybe it'd be good if you just like stop and took a breath. And <laughs> nice, nice, <laughs> she nice. goes, yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's as me turning off my alarms I, to get up in the morning. It's like, ah, oh, turn them off. I'll be all right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mistake. Yeah. Mistake. <laughs> you know? uh, all right, Kathy. So let's shift gears here. Let's talk about um, Wildwood learning, training, and consulting. Um, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, if, if someone wanted to work with you and uh, and your, your practice, what's that look like? Yeah. Uh, well, and coming into Wildwood Learning, Training, and Consulting I, would be a conversation first because just recognizing where where the school is at and what it might need might look different for different places or different organizations. But I do have a core set of uh, trainings that I do so that everybody is on the same page, you know, talking about trauma and stress and how to navigate that stress and some emotional intelligence skills. And then from there, going into maybe a more focused uh, approach as to what your school might need. I do come in and do one training, one day trainings, uh, you know, but what I really enjoy is that long-term relationship with a school so that we can really see those shifts in how uh, schools might approach students and how teachers might approach, you know, students with challenging behaviors and just, you know, being able to create that positive workplace environment and classroom environment, because uh, we know that when people feel better, they do better. And I think this really helps what I do really helps people to, to feel better so that they can have that environment where they do better and learn. That's awesome. Very cool. It, you know, it, um, it, how do they st start the, the talk with you? I mean, it, is there, is, is there like someone they reach out to? I mean, how does that, that yeah. happen? And, and is it mainly schools or individuals or, uh, uh parents? I mean, who, how is, how does that yeah. part of it work? I usually, um, I have been working with, uh, social service agencies and, uh, non- uh, we have a cooperative up in our area, educational cooperative, probably similar to what you work for. Nice. And I have been working with them, so providing trainings for the schools within that cooperative. And so just reaching out to me at my email is kathy at wildwoodlearning.com, and it's W-I-L-D-E woodlearning.com, or you can go to my website, and on there it says connect. Just send me uh, you know, a little message that you'd like to connect and we'd set up a time to uh, just chat about what you, what you're looking for, what are the needs of your school or your agency. I also work with um, agencies that work with youth. So, uh, um, so a different variety, but anybody who is working with youth is the uh, audience that I like to serve. Awesome. And I'll put that information in the show notes. So it's easy for them to, to email you or a link to your website and, and uh, go from there. Uh, um, now, one of the things you have right now is a free course that you, you offer out there. It's called Building Resilience Through Strength-Based Learning. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So we have a, I have a free course. I co-facilitated that course and it's on, it's self-paced. So you just go, you can sign up. 
And what we go through in that course is some of the neurobiology of, so the brain-based things that are happening, and then ways that you can implement within your classroom, within your organization, within yourself, in your home, uh, as far as like uh, calming and uh, connecting. And then, you know, when can you lean into your strengths? So we didn't have a lot of time that we talked about that, but it's really about uh, switching our paradigm from what's wrong to you to what's happened to you, to what's strong within you. So that resilience piece is so, so important. And we as adults are part of that puzzle. We are a part of that. That is excellent. And so uh, I'll have a link there in the show notes too for uh, for your uh, building resilience through strength-based learning. Good stuff. Wonderful. Um, I got last two questions for you, Kathy, and they're questions I like to ask my guests. And the first one is, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? I have um, several practices that I put into place. So I have a morning practice where I do some meditation and journaling, uh, maybe some yoga uh, so that I have those in place. So I do them on a daily basis, and when I don't do them, which is very rare, uh, my day just doesn't seem like it goes right. And then, too, you know, talking about uh, having that resilience team, having your resilience community, I have those folks that I know I can reach out at any time when things are just not going real well and will help me to uh, either come around and see it differently or help me to feel calmer about the situation. So finding those support people and connecting with them has been really important for me. Awesome. I love that. Uh, good stuff. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh, I have so many in my past that... <laughs> That's maybe why I became a teacher. But the one teacher that really comes to mind, his name is Mr. Eisenberg. Actually, Mr. Eisenberg has passed away. But um, he was my science teacher. And, and maybe is probably one a big reason why I went into science and why I went into science teaching. He was just, uh, he was very much uh, routine and had the academics, but he also made it interesting and he was encouraging. And I just, um, and the big part too, is that I got to know him outside of the classroom because my mom was also a teacher in the same school. And so he, during the summer came and did some things, uh, electrical work at our home. And so I just like to say a big thank you to him um, for just leading me down that path. That is awesome. I love it. Uh, Kathy, thanks uh, Thanks so much for talking with me. It was great talking with you about Wildwood Learning, Training and Consulting, and supporting youth and those professionals who work with them. What a wonderful focus you have. Wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me today. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. 
The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.